Greetings, everyone. Happy Canada Day weekend. We are indeed blessed to be able to live in such a wonderful country. Yeah, we praise God for... We praise God for the freedom that we have and the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with others around us. In so many ways, God has blessed us as a nation, and we give him all the praise. And our prayer is that God will keep our land glorious and free. And Jesus will reign in all power and dominion from sea to sea. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church, those of us here at Center Campus, as well as those joining us from our campus in Beerspa, Bridgeland, Airdrie, and South Calgary. I want to welcome also our online viewers. Uh, we are continuing our study from the book of Exodus, and we are in an important section, the Ten Commandments. Our society perceives the Ten Commandments to be outdated and negative. Even though most people don't know what the Ten Commandments are, they assume it limits our rights. Thou shall not this, thou shall not that. What is the point of these commands other than to restrict our freedom? But when you look at the reason why God gave the Ten Commandments, it's the exact opposite. The commandments are not meant to restrict but they serve as guideposts to a life of freedom. God had delivered the Israelites from their bondage in Egypt. He set them free. They were no longer slaves. They were a nation set apart for God. That was an expression of His grace. The Ten Commandments would help the nation to continue walking in that freedom. So when they settled in the promised land, the Israelites will flourish and all areas of life as they learn to abide by the Ten Commandments. Throughout church history, the Ten Commandments have been foundational to Christian ethics. It outlines clearly our obligation towards God and our obligation towards one another. Rather than restricting us, the commandments free us. In many ways, the Ten Commandments are like traffic laws. Some people drive like there are no traffic laws, and we rightfully call them jerks. <laughs> the traffic laws are not meant to constrain us. They enable us to drive safely and keep us from accidents. In the same way, the Ten Commandments serve as guideposts for our welfare and well-being. Keep in mind, the Ten Commandments were not just given to individuals, but it was given to a whole community. The emphasis is not just on personal behavior, but it has corporate dimensions. So this is how a community of God's people who are already redeemed can show the world what it means to be His followers. In that sense, the Ten Commandments offer a blueprint for communal life. So when a community abides by the Ten Commandments, they will be blessed and they will flourish. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 32 to 33, Moses says, So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. See, that 
is a general principle that is true of an individual, a family, a community, a nation. When we seek to honor God, when our lives are lived according to His principles, we have God's favor and blessings upon our life. But when we depart from those very principles and insist on going our own way, we forfeit God's blessings and favor. The last time I spoke, we looked at the first four commandments that revolve around our relationship with God, about how we can honor God with our lives. Today we will look at commandments five, six, and seven, which revolve around honoring one another. So we will look at honoring parents, honoring life, and honoring marriage. And because this is Canada Day weekend, I will draw some specific application for our nation. See, the church is called to be a prophetic voice and a beacon of light to our country. So we will speak to the nation. We will speak to our culture. And we will issue a call for transformation. This is a difficult message. I'm going to prepare you in advance. But sometimes we need to speak on these important truths which bring stability to our lives and our culture and our society. So let's be receptive to what God has to say. Uh, our text is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 12 to 14. And if you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the Ten Commandments that serve as guideposts of freedom. Not to restrict us, but help us to live life to the full. I know that, Lord, this is a difficult message that you've laid on my heart. I feel my own weakness in addressing these complex issues. I pray that by your spirit, you will strengthen me and you will give us as a community of your people receptive hearts, sensitive hearts, that there will be humility in bringing our lives under submission to the truth of your word. So we commit this time to you, Lord. Speak to us in the power of your spirit. For we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. An organization called Freedom From Religion Foundation, a group of free thinkers who say they don't believe in God, had an article titled, What is Wrong? with the Ten Commandments. And as they were taking shots at each one of the commandments, and this is what they had to write about honoring your father and mother. The article says, the biological fact of fatherhood and motherhood does not in and of itself warrant honor. Honor only those who merit your honor would be a more appropriate teaching. Now that really misses the point of this commandment and why God is asking us to honor our parents. 
the reason honoring our parents is part of the Ten Commandments is to elevate the critical role of a father and a mother in a home. The word for honor means to regard someone as weighty or heavy. It is the exact opposite of a lightweight. It means placing high value to prize highly the critical role of a father and mother in a home. The word for honor is the same word for glorify. And it is used to describe our relationship with God. So parents are God's appointed representatives over our lives. So the role of a mom and dad is so significant for the well-being of a family. This is God's ideal. And I know that this is not always played out in real life because we live in a broken world that has been marred by sin. We don't always, always see the ideals being lived out. And let me remind us, God can work in spite of the brokenness and do some incredible things. That is the God we serve. So do not let what I'm saying here discourage you if you're a single dad or a single mom. God is more than able to work in your family and offer you the support that you need to raise godly children. In fact, I know of a number of single dads and moms in our congregation who are doing a phenomenal job in investing in the lives of their children. And with God's help, they are transforming the lives of their children. So we praise God for that. But what I'm highlighting today is God's plan A. His original intent as expressed in creation. God's plan for a family is for children to come under the influence of a godly father and a godly mother who will shape their development. Parenting is team effort. And the mom and the dad complement each other as they join together in this sacred mission. And the kids learn first and foremost what it means to be a man by watching their dad. And they learn what it means to be a woman by looking at their mom. That is God's design and ideal. But we live in a sinful world that has departed from God's ideals and principles. And we frown at those things that God intended keeping our welfare and well-being in mind. So our culture mocks at these traditional biblical values, the critical role of a, a dad and a mom and how integral they are for a home. A school in Toronto recently said they're getting rid of Mother's Day and Father's Day and instead they will celebrate grown-ups who love us day to ensure children who do not fit the traditional family box feel included. We live in a confused society. We don't know what is right, what is wrong, what would offend someone. And in our attempt to be inclusive, I'm afraid we have lost our common sense. We are increasingly becoming a society without any convictions, and that is causing major instability. And no wonder the next generation has such deep-rooted identity issues. Anxiety, depression, and all kinds of emotional struggles. 
See, I recognize the complexity in all of this. I'm not minimizing that. But we disregard God's design to our own peril. A society that does not value the role of a mom and dad in bringing stability to a home will reap its consequences. And I want to appeal to our nation of Canada this Canada Day weekend not to disdain God's principles as revealed in the Bible. See, the reason we have been blessed as a country is because of our Christian foundations. It is those principles that have brought stability to our nation. And and when people today think they're smart, they're clever, they know better, they'll do whatever they want, the confusion and uncertainties will only increase. It is in submitting to God's design and purpose we can find our way out of this chaos. And it starts with restoring the crucial role of a father and a mother in shaping the lives of our children. That is God's intent. I've spoken to the culture. Let me speak to Christians who believe in honoring your parents who adhere to biblical convictions. When we are little, the command to honor our parents include obedience. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. If you're a parent with young kids, I bet this is your favorite Bible verse. Before we teach our kids any other verses from the Bible, here's where we start. We love it. And it is right. Children are called to obey and submit their parents. So part of honoring for them includes obedience. But honor your father and your mother is not just a commandment for kids. This has implications for us who are adults. The Ten Commandments were given to the entire community and directed primarily at adults. So how do we as adults show honor to our parents? The key is understanding the word honor, which means to give weight. So adults are not required to obey their parents in the same manner that we did when we were children. But we still value their advice, respect their ideas, and their involvement in our lives. See, our parents are our biggest cheerleaders, our greatest well-wishers, those who want the very best for us. They have our best interests in mind, so we value their opinions. And in the context in which God gave the Ten Commandments, they were a society without insurance, health care, and retirement plans. So the grown-up kids were the safety net for the parents, just as the parents were responsible for taking care of the kids when they were little. 
So the grown-up kids had the responsibility of honoring their parents by caring for them both physically and financially in their old age. And there is a clear principle for us in our day and age. It may mean in some cases where it is applicable that adult children financially help parents if they are in need. That is within our Christian responsibility. It also means visiting our parents, talking to them regularly, making them feel that they are loved and cared for. Now, honoring parents means we regularly express our gratitude for our parents' role in shaping us and molding us and showing us the right way in sacrificing for us. Are our parents perfect? No. Nobody has perfect parents. But if their intent was right and they did their very best, all that they could do, then we express gratitude. The Ten Commandments have been popularly divided into two categories, and I've pointed that out. The first four commandments revolve around our relationship with God, and the next six around our relationship with one another. The fact that honor your father and mother is command number five. It serves as a link between honoring God and honoring one another. Our parents are divine representatives that God has placed over us. And when we honor them, we are honoring God. We're learning to submit to authority. And that is why the fifth commandment comes with a promise. God says to the Israelites, when you honor your father and your mother, it will go well with you, and you will have a a long life and prosperity as you live in the promised land. So what is the connection between prosperity, long life, and honoring parents? We call this a proverbial truth. It is generally true, but it has exceptions. So it doesn't mean if you honor your parents, you are guaranteed long life, you're guaranteed success. And if someone dies young, that's because they failed to honor their parents. That's not what it means. But it is something we can say is generally true. As you honor your parents, you have the blessing and the favor of God resting upon you. Why? Because you are submitting to the first authority God has placed over you. Parents are God's representatives in loving us, in caring for us, providing for us, sacrificing for us. In so many ways, they model God. And as a child learns to submit to the authority of the parents, the child learns to submit to all other authorities, teachers, Governmental leaders, church and spiritual leaders, they learn to respect and abide by the laws of the land. And as a child learns to submit to all authorities, you will hope that they're not going to be expelled from school or university because of misconduct. They're not going to drive a car intoxicated. You'll hope that with the attitude that they have, they're not going to do anything that is irrational that will cut short their life. 
a person who honors their parents learns to honor all authority figures, and in turn, they bring their life in submission to God. That is how we enjoy God's blessings and favor. Now, let me address the elephant in the room. There are some of you here, you did not grow up in a loving home. Some of you had abusive parents. And as you're hearing me talk, you're wondering, how does this apply to me? This is a complex issue. As I mentioned, we live in a broken world. If you've gone through serious neglect or parental abuse, my heart goes out to you. Well, I don't have the time to address all of the complexities in this sermon, I'll point you to a resource, a book called Not Forsaken, A Story of Life After Abuse. How Faith Brought One Woman from Victim to Survivor by Jennifer Greenberg. And I'll prepare your heart by saying this is a very difficult read. It's heart-rending as the author shares her own personal experience of abuse being raised in a Christian home. But her reflections are powerful. It's filled with hope. It offers healing and a future beyond your pain. So I want to encourage you to check this resource out and read. I know that you will be encouraged, even though it's hard to read a book like that. If you need further help, you want to process this with someone like a pastor. And you can come here to Center Campus Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 4.30 p.m. And you will be able to speak to the pastor of the day. You know, the various pastoral staff that are here, we take turns to be available. And you don't need an appointment. You can just walk in. And we will love to sit down with you and have a conversation and pray with you and encourage you and offer you resources. You can even call over the phone. If you call the church, you can speak to the pastor of the day over the phone. So resources are out there, and we want to come alongside you and support you. Let's go to the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. Now, in the Hebrew language, there are up to eight different words that are used to refer to killing. The Hebrew word used here is broader than our definition of a murder or a homicide. The commandment underlines the fact that we cannot take human life without divine approval. One Bible commentator puts it this way. The word used in the sixth commandment refers to putting to death improperly, unlawfully, for selfish reasons, without authorization. So here's an important question. Why is taking human life unlawfully wrong? The Nazis killed those with physical or mental disabilities because they saw them as a burden to the society and the state. Why is that horrific? It is because of the sanctity of life. 
The very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See, this is what sets human beings apart from all of God's creation. Every human being, male and female, are made in the image of God. It's because of that we have an inherent worth. People with physical and mental disabilities, people of all cultures, race, nationality, color, sexual orientation are all equally valuable because we are made in God's image. That is why we uphold life is sacred, the sanctity of life. Now, while all of us here may agree to this in theory, let me ask you, is that really true in practice? Think about it for a moment. Let me illustrate this through two events that happened recently. It was a tale of two disasters. One gained a lot of media attention while the other received just a token mention. Chances are most people didn't hear about the other incident. A handful of wealthy people and explorers who went on an exploration trip to the bottom of the sea to survey the remains of the Titanic suffered a tragedy and all of them lost their lives. And our heart goes out for the people who died and their families. Around the same time, an overloaded fishing boat with migrants trying to escape from Libya to Italy, 750 adults and children packed into this unsafe fishing trawler. The boat was in great distress for a considerable period of time in the ocean. And eventually it capsized close to Greece and about only a hundred of them survived. Human rights advocates were saddened by the resources and media attention being dedicated to the submarine rescue efforts and how it far outweighed those for the sunken migrant ship. Reflecting on this apparent disparity in resources and media attention on the two crises, a human rights activist said, it is a horrifying and disgusting contrast. The willingness to allow certain people to die while every effort is made to save others is a really dark reflection on humanity. Hear me. All life matters. Whether they are multi-billionaires or refugees who are fleeing a war-torn country because they both are made in God's image. And on Canada Day weekend, we have to remind ourselves all human life is precious in the sight of God. Life is God's gift to us. We need to respect and protect life from every stage, from conception all the way to death. We don't have the right to take lives. Our lives are not our own. They belong to God. He is the rightful owner. 
And as a nation, this is a wake-up call. The Evangelical Fellowship of Canada states, over 100,000 abortions are carried out each year in Canada. In practice, abortions can legally be performed during all nine months of pregnancy. When a nation gives free abortion rights at any stage of pregnancy, when a nation sanctions euthanasia and is toying with the idea of making this available to those who are suffering from mental illness and even minors, we as Christians respectfully disagree with those making those laws. As followers of Christ, we pray and we ask God to change the hearts of the people who are in power. And we uncompromisingly hold on to our biblical convictions, even though it's not popular. And as Christians, we give a prophetic warning to our nation. If we insist on going our own way and continue this stance of rebellion, we are in danger of forfeiting God's blessings. And lastly, we don't just preach about these things, but we demonstrate in the way we live that we value every human life. Let me say this, anytime abortions are mentioned, it can be painful for some people. If you're battling with guilt because you had an abortion, or you influenced someone to have an abortion, and now you are living in guilt and shame, please reach out to us as a church for help. I promise we will not judge you we will show you love and grace as the Bible calls us to. And we will care for you. We will walk with you and we will point you to the right resources so you can embrace the freedom that Jesus Christ wants to offer you. Let's move to the next commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Adultery refers to having sexual relationship with a person and violating an existing marriage. Now, why is adultery being highlighted in the Ten Commandments? Is it worse than other sexual sins? Let me clarify something. God forbids all forms of sexual sins in the Bible. Sex is God's gift to be exercised only within the bonds of a marriage covenant between a man and a woman, period. Now, having said that, the reason adultery is highlighted in the Ten Commandments is because God was protecting the institution of marriage. A faithfulness is crucial to a marriage. It is foundational. It's basic. That's what the wedding vows are all about. One of my favorite moments as a pastor when I officiate weddings is looking at the face of the couple, reciting their wedding vows. 
this vow of commitment and faithfulness to each other for a lifetime. And I see them get emotional and they tear up. It is beautiful to witness that. It messes up the bride's makeup. That's okay. It's still beautiful. One of the most difficult times as a pastor is to sit with someone and watch the anguish in their eyes as they share a painful story of betrayal. Adultery is unfaithfulness. It's the worst way to break your spouse's trust. It is a violation of the marriage covenant. Unfortunately, our culture, our movies, our romance novels, present extramarital affairs is something thrilling and exciting and exotic. They romanticize it. I tell you, there's nothing thrilling about this. See, there's this wrong belief that Hollywood has perpetuated that having sex with the same person for years is boring. You get tired of it and you need some variety. Comedian Chris Rock was quoted saying, you have two choices, to be single and lonely or married and bored. Years ago, former Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Roger Staubach, who was a devoted Christian, was asked in a television interview this question. Roger, how do you feel when you compare yourself with Joe Namath a teammate of yours who's so sexually active and has a different woman on his arm every time we see him. Roger, a devout Christian, answered, I'm sure I'm just as sexually active as Joe. The difference is all of mine is with one woman. <clears throat> who said married couples are not sexually active, or their sexual life is boring. If you look at studies, they reveal married couples have a, a greater level of sexual satisfaction than those who are single or cohabiting. So don't buy into this myth that is out there that the grass on the other side is green. Because some people are looking for excitement that has faded from their marriage, that it has become dull, monotonous, and predictable. So they start checking out on these other relationships somehow to make them happy and spice up their life. Many people end up in an emotional affair first before it turns physical. If you look and you see the grass on the other side is green, then it's time to water your lawn. Remove the weeds, do the hard work, put in the efforts that it takes. <laughs> Invest in your marriage, strengthen your relationship with your spouse, make this a priority. Marriage as God intended it to be can be a lifelong, beautiful, truly satisfying relationship. Nothing can be compared to that. An affair, as exciting as our world presents it to be, is simply not worth it. It's not worth destroying your family for a momentary pleasure. 
I've touched on some serious subjects in today's message. And I don't want to just preach harsh truths without highlighting God's grace and forgiveness. If you feel guilty in failing to honor your parents, honor life, honor your wedding vows, if you have compromised in one or more of these areas, and you're feeling awful inside, I want you to know all is not lost. The beauty of the gospel is we have a God who is able to redeem our lives no matter where we are. When we come to God in true repentance, brokenness, then Jesus will not turn you away. He welcomes you. He puts his arms around you. He embraces you because he loves you that much. He suffered and died on the cross to bear the punishment for your sins. And not only that, Jesus gives us the power to live a new life by which we can honor God, we can honor one another. So come to Jesus. With all of your brokenness and pain, come to Him and find the healing and the forgiveness that only He can bring. Let me say this in closing. Our nation needs strong Christian families to rise up. That's the only way we can reverse the spiritual decline that's all around us. And as Christians, we need to concentrate our efforts on building and nurturing our family with a fierce determination. The attacks of the enemy are relentless. There are cultural pressures on all sides. It may seem so daunting and overwhelming, but I tell you, your family is worth fighting for. We don't have to do this in our own strength. It's not through our own resolve or self-efforts. But God invites us to partner with Him. So in all humility, we express our dependence on Him. And we pray for God's blessing, His favor, His grace to be lavished on us so that the baton of the gospel can be passed on from one generation to another. I'm going to ask you to stand as we come to an end. I want us to close our eyes for a moment. Our worship team will come up and lead us in a closing song. But before that, where are you in your walk with Jesus? Do you feel convicted? Do you need forgiveness? And this is a time we are standing in the presence of a God who knows all things, who sees all things, who identifies with your feelings. You can't hide anything from Him. So if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, this is a time to embrace God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ.
to recommit your life once again and asking him to give you the strength to live a life that's different. And he is well able to do that. I can also ask you to pray for your family. Intercede for the families in our church that even in these dark times, we will make a difference with how we live our lives. So let's maintain a moment of silence to have a conversation with God and then our team will lead us in a song. We'll all join and sing together.